0: I'm Amy Shields.
1: I'm Mark Frost.
2: Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson.
0: So our Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book, is currently out at bluerosemag.com. It is $19.99, so get your copy today as supplies are very limited and will be running out very soon. So if you haven't got your copy today, go to bluerosemag.com today.
3: Thank you for your interest and for
1: your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. Hey, this is Andrew Grievous from 25 com. and long before David Lynch and Mark Frost asked us to keep the mystery alive, Wrapped in Plastic Magazine asked us to keep the conversation alive. Would we be where we're at today in terms of having as many wonderful podcasts, having all the social media interactions, having websites like my own? If we had not previously had the work that Craig Miller and John Thorne put out for over a decade, they were the ones that inspired us to look at Twin Peaks as a work of art that needed to be studied the way that so many of us do today. Without that work, what would the summer of 2017 have been like? Would we have had the amazing conversations and the quality content that we had to listen to and read on a daily basis had they not paved the way? I don't know. It's a question I don't really want to think about. I know for me personally, the work that they did in Wrapped in Plastic Magazine, particularly in regards to Firewalk with me, opened my mind in ways that I had never really thought about art before. And that translated to me wanting to start the website that I have today. And I've said that numerous times that I would not be doing what I'm doing without the work that they did. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Thank you so much to John Thorne, Craig Miller. I never had the pleasure of getting to talk to you, uh, but your work is definitely appreciated as well. Thank you both.
4: est commun.
5: To Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is Brian Kazaska. Hi, Brian. Hey, Ben. We've got a special show today. And what a special show it is. Yes. Is very special. We are going to be celebrating the 25th anniversary of Wrapped in Plastic magazine. We're going to get John Thorne on the show. And I think this is really a tribute to John Thorne as well. It's not just about Wrapped in Plastic. It's about the man, the myth, the legend. The godfather of Twin Peaks. John Thorne.
1: Hi, this is Maya McBriar.
6: I just wanted to say congratulations to John Thorne on the 25th anniversary of Wrapped in Plastic. What an amazing accomplishment. Your terrific writing and insight has been invaluable to
7: the Twin Peaks community. Thank you for keeping the spirit alive, and cheers to the next 25 years.
5: All right, we are on the phone with John Thorne, the legend. The Godfather.
6: Uh, <laughs> hey, John. Uh, hey, guys. How you doing? Good. good so good. this
5: month is the 25th anniversary of Wrapped in Plastic. How does it feel to you know have you know been 25 years ago that you started this magazine with Craig?
6: It's hard to believe. I mean that uh, it's been that long. Uh, I've been going through a lot of old files and bringing back a lot of old memories uh, to me and how it was when we when we first started. You know, never thought I'd be talking about it 25 years later. Let alone that hmm. there would be new Twin Peaks to talk about yeah. as well. So, yeah. I mean, it's really, really remarkable.
5: You've recently put up a, a post up. You've been uh, updating your blog and one of them was about the naming of Wrapped in Plastic. Can you, get, <laughs> can you share that with us a little
6: bit? Sure. Uh, yeah, I did put up a blog post uh, and I'm going to do that all month. I'm going to put up a few little things. It's, it's really almost... For me, more than anything else, I, there may be a few people out there who might be interested in, in the you know some of the things that happened to us as we as we did the magazine, and so this last one that I put up was really about the beginning of how we got started and what we were doing. And uh, you, Craig had come up to me at a convention and said, "Let's do a Twin Peaks magazine," and I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was going to do or how we were going to do it. I was really basically just a kid essentially <laughs> and uh, of course the first thing I did is like yeah I come up with a name and I sat down and, and thought oh what are some cool names we Craig wanted to call it something like the Twin Peaks magazine or something like yeah. that he wanted to put Twin Peaks in the title but we couldn't get the licensing for that it was too expensive so we we tried to come up I just wrote a list I, I wrote a list of possible names and and Raft and Plastic was on that list and when I suggested that to Craig I went through the names with him and he thought that was a great name too so that's the one we went with yeah. What some of them are like owl cave, <laughs> uh, wow, Bob, wow, <laughs> weasel, yeah. the pine
5: weasel, the pine weasel, pine weasel. I like yeah, that pine one. weasel.
6: Right, right. I, you know, we honestly, that the trick was how do we make the magazine identifiable? as a Twin Peaks magazine without saying, this is a Twin Peaks magazine. Because again, yeah. we didn't want to infringe on copyright. We didn't want to get in any kind of trouble. So what are some things that people would, you know, that would recognize from Twin Peaks? Yeah, Owl Cave, the the, the double R, you know, things like that. But Wrapped in Plastic had a, just a, a kind of an odd curiosity factor to it.
5: And on your list here, it was like fifth down or so. So yeah, I don't know if you're like, yeah. as you're thinking you're writing it down, so you're, by the fifth time <laughs> <laughs> you struck gold here. <laughs>
6: Uh yeah, I don't know. I just the first things that popped into my head, like what's right. a Twin Peaks reference? And of course all that list was made before Firewalk With Me came out. Ah. So that list was made in nineteen ninety-one and uh there was no, you know, owl cave ring or, or blue rose, which might have hmm. been if we waited a year, it might have <laughs> been called the Blue Rose. So, <laughs> blue rose um, um, there <laughs> was no there was nothing to pull from Firewalk With Me. It
8: was just from the show that we had. Hey, this is uh Mark Gibbons from Deer Meadow Radio. This is for John Thorne in celebration of his and Craig Miller's Wrapped in Plastic 25th anniversary. I have, I think, all but one of these issues that I've tracked down over the years. Most of them uh, bought at the time. Don't fool around. Get John's book. um, If you want the whole picture, just track these things down. It's worth the effort. I grew up with these things. They kept the fire burning. My podcast is in many ways, you know, trying to reincarnate what these guys did back in the day. So uh, congratulations, I guess, John, 25 years later, you're reaping the benefits. And I uh, can't say enough how much, you know, wrapped in plastic. I'm looking there right now and they're, they're there in my box. I probably have an issue out um, that I was looking into to build off, you know, another episode of Dear Meadow Radio. So uh, congratulations again, John.
5: I think you may have shared this with me before, but, you know, so I got Wrapped in Plastic, the magazine, probably when it first came out. Like, I, you know, I I got a lot of things like the pick cards and stuff. And you must have been doing something to maybe get a attribution list or something because I I think you guys found me. And then I had to get the magazine right away.
6: Wow. Had
5: you um, sent
6: in to Star Picks cards? Is that what? Yeah. That's what I did. Yes. Yeah, Yeah that was a big deal for us because we were you know we were going into comic book stores and basically that was it i mean that was the only outlet for us uh, at the time uh, but then craig had contacted star picks and star picks i forget how the the deal went down but we got the star picks mailing list essentially everyone who had ordered star picks cards they gave us or we somehow made an exchange maybe for an ad or something. They they gave us the, the names and addresses of everyone who had ever sent something in to them. Yeah, and so we just sent a flyer out to everyone. Yeah. We, uh, we printed <laughs> up flyers. <laughs> and we mailed them out to everyone who'd order something from Starpix and that was it actually was a big help and, yeah i loved it and it's
5: and it was just something so cool bi-monthly every you know two months or so it'd get an issue of wrapped in plastic
6: that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 it was it was it was a good deal for us
5: and you guys really evolved over i mean like i don't know if you want to get into that where it's where you started with first issue and and that was the cover was even just two colors really Right. and then yeah. it evolved and, and and it was Craig's had drawings that he would do and then eventually got into photos. Can you share about the evolution of the magazine?
6: Yeah, yeah. And again, that a lot of that is because we we didn't know much and we were afraid hmm. <laughs> to some extent of what we could do without getting in any kind of trouble. So we didn't know if we put a picture on the cover right away whether or not we would be in any way infringing on copyright so uh craig drew the first six covers are all you know he just drew them and they kind oh. of look like comic comic book covers and um because again we just thought well that's safe uh but um i think not, issue seven was the first photo i think oh, wow. uh, i think so and that was julie cruz on the cover and that just was really really cool and then from there on we were started doing a lot more photos and we realized what we you know were essentially allowed to do and uh the covers got much better uh the printing process got much better the interior page quality got much better it became really a legitimate magazine um as it went along it felt like a magazine it looked like a magazine but when it started out it was kind of like a essentially like a fanzine yeah It it was like a comic book almost
5: wow now, I don't know why I did this, but I brought my whole collection of wrapped uh. in plastic in, to the studio. <laughs> he
0: has the entire – he has like a luggage bag. Yeah, I have a it's luggage heavy. bag. <laughs> okay. I'm oh,
5: not wow. sure why okay. I did that. I was like, I was coming to think of, like, oh, maybe during lunch I want to look at these more. But it's just like – it's an amazing collection. Tell us about – I think it was Catherine Colson that was your first celebrity guest. Is that right? That celebrity interview?
6: Yeah. We had done another interview with the author and humorist, uh, Joe Bob Briggs. That was an issue too. And that was yeah. something that Craig had already lined up for another magazine. Magazine. And it was like, we'd already promised it. Hmm. And so we felt an obligation to to do that. But yes, Catherine Coulson was the first actor from the show or person associated with the show. We got an interview with it was around the time that the Bravo reruns were coming on. And for people who don't know, the Bravo TV network had purchased Twin Peaks, they were going to replay it. I think they had a, a like a a theme they were doing, which TV too good for TV or something mm. like that. Mm. And David Lynch, of course, assembled, you know, these slog lady introductions. He he filmed, wrote and filmed these little pieces, you know, all about yeah. them. at uh, there in front of every episode. This was all brand new Twin Peaks. And so <laughs> uh, we contacted Bravo and said, well, we'll promote this. Can we get an interview? And, <clears throat> and somehow that's the, the path that got us to Catherine Coulson. Wow. I think we ended up interviewing her more than almost anyone else uh, over the course of the 75 issues we interviewed her at least four times found a letter i'm going to put it up on the blog at some point i found a, a, a handwritten letter by katherine colson to us where uh-huh. she just said you know i love this magazine and i love the way you did the interview and i can't wait to meet you guys and i mean she she didn't uh, have to do that yeah. but she did and so that was really cool that's
5: something else. nice yeah she seemed to really be so supportive of the magazine and we i remember all, yeah
6: the whole fan community she would know, at the festivals and everything she really was a great person
5: yeah and I think we've mentioned before that was our first uh, yeah. actor from the show, right? I mean yep. to get her on <laughs> ah, there too. And, cool. And you know, uh-huh. it was at the time that she was, you know, ill and we didn't know that. Yeah. And she yeah. she gave us ten minutes. She said, I'll give you ten minutes and it's like, Wow, right. that's really <laughs> kind of you and yeah. now after yeah. the fact to realize, wow, you know, everything that she went through. I think about other people like Harley Payton, like he was somebody he seemed like he was really supportive too, where he was he would like I don't know if he would email you to correct you or to like to give you more <laughs> information or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
6: Yeah, well, um, we uh, the Harley Payton story is good, and i I think I put some stuff already up about that, but just very very quickly, he was in town shooting a movie, James Bader and Eric Stoltz, and we went on set to interview Harley, and we got to sit down on this huge mansion where they were shooting and talk to him face to face about Twin Peaks and uh, Eric Stoltz and James Bader sat in and mm-hmm. and that was an interesting conversation that, that's another story but then after that we were sending him whenever we could if we could get an address for somebody who was involved with the show we would always send them free copies of the magazine and Harley read it (laughs) you know he he read it and he would give us information and I'm really glad he did because I made a huge mistake in an essay that I wrote it's in the book uh and I corrected it for the book because I found Harley's letter where he was like you know this is kind of how it went down in the second season and uh people forget but you know this is important to remember and I realized yeah um that's that's very important so he was uh, yeah he was he was a great person to have reading the magazine Harley
5: Payton, producer and writer of Twin Peaks. Funny, because for me, I mean, Twin Peaks,
3: I mean, it has been such an extraordinary journey and now it's gone over decades. And the thing I think about uh, wrapped in plastic generally, and John specifically, is just how much help it has been to have someone explain it to me. I mean, it's (laughs) like he's really been there to unscramble it for all of us along the way, and all the in-depth interviews, and I used i I mean, I used to read that magazine. Every time it came out, it was right at my door, and it was a wonderful sort of companion piece to it, and, and I think that that's relatively rare. I mean, and particularly when you think about when the show started, sort of pre-blog, pre-internet and away, all that stuff, his contribution is enormous, and, and, and the fact that it continues today, I think is just a great thing and something he certainly deserves. its It's been wonderful to kind of watch that and actually be a part of the work that he's done along the way. Yeah, every once in a while I felt compelled to try to create correct uh, perceptions or whatever but yeah sure i mean it was nice to have that opportunity too and and again it was so great to have this kind of entity that was out there that was kind of keeping track of things when it was easy to lose track and so i think that's something that made john's contribution to it and just i think generally to kind of the way people look at the show and understand the show and and learn things that they might not have learned otherwise uh, that's enormous i mean i don't think you could understand it really
5: and of course, you mentioned the book. Most people should know by now, the essential wrapped in plastic. Yeah, your, your book that really oh, kind yeah. of took the the essential stuff from Wrapped in Plastic magazine and put it into a book, which is so cool. Yeah. Do you have
6: some favorite issues of Wrapped in Plastic magazine? I, I do. I mean, there's so many issues uh, that <laughs> that we had, and there's favorite moments, and there's favorite. I guess issue 60 issue 60 is a favorite because that was the issue that i did the the dream theory and we we published that and then craig did a really cool wraparound cover uh so that's the, the photo goes all the way around you know to the backside. you know i have that uh, i'm looking at
5: that right now and it's, it, i never realized that this wrapped around harry dean stanton yeah, is yeah. there on the yeah. back and then there's cooper it's, just looking out but i didn't even realize until you said it it's one big photo and
6: that's something yes yeah, what we call a wraparound cover yeah. we did it i think we only did it one other time we we did it, I think it's 39, where we had the uh, Georgia Coffee poster mm-hmm. with McLaughlin, and we essentially republished the poster. as a, And so if you open up the full magazine, you'll see the full poster goes around to the back. So I like doing stuff like that. And if we had really good content, then those are the issues that stand out. So like 56, where we had Naomi Watts' interview, where she was not very well known at the time, and she gave us so much time. We talked about Mulholland Drive, and that was just one of my favorite interviews and that issue it turns out is one of the harder issues to get i think it was a good solid issue yeah Um, i actually
5: missed a few issues and that was that was the hardest one really
6: (laughs) yeah i don't know yeah i don't know what it is that's a tough one we interviewed david lynch a couple of times that was fun and then we also did an eraser head thing and he designed the cover david lynch designed the cover to i think it's issue 65 so if you open it up on the table of contents it says front cover designed by David Lynch he had asked to do it nice. wow. so we are like yeah. yeah you know absolutely app- Absolutely. You can design the cover (laughs) if you want to do whatever you
5: want. You can write an article. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Right. I
6: don't think I've ever told this story before, but when Lost Highway came out, we got really, really close to a Trent Reznor interview. I mean, we were like on the precipice of the interview. I mean, and this publicist said, but he has to have the cover. And and Craig being Craig was, I can't promise that. (laughs) And it fell fell through. I don't know if that's the reason why, Yeah, but they insisted. If this goes through, he has to have the cover. I can't remember what the details were. It probably wouldn't have happened anyway. But right. we came very, very close to getting that. So,
5: What's most memorable about some of your work is these these essays that you put together. Of course you talk about the, the dream uh, essay you did. But there's also that famous Laura Palmer essay that you did, which I think is uh, issue 71. That was incredible. Yeah,
6: it's another cool cover because that cover uh, image comes from the movie trailer for firewalk with me uh craig had purchased the actual uh 35 millimeter reel that huh. they would show in the theaters of Fire Walk with me and of course each one of those frames was kind of like a little slide and yeah. i said to him late in the trailer there's this great shot of laura you know she's gone her- laying down and she's kind of smiling mm. and And so he rolled the whole trailer out (laughs) until he could get to that frame. And then we turned that into the cover. So that photo essentially, again, nowadays with digital, you know, you could get any cover you want. But that was a rarity. It's like we have a shot that no one else has. And, yeah, and I wrote a long essay about Firewalk with Me in that issue.
7: Hey, guys, it's Joel. John's great legacy has been the things he's written and um, looking back on those from today's vantage point and getting a real sense of how to piece together Twin Peaks as something like a coherent story, because I always appreciated it for the mystery. I appreciated the atmosphere and the mood. You know, I said, well, not everything adds up. Everything's kind of messy. And that's okay. Uh, You know, it's, it's not really telling a linear story. And I I still think there's a lot of truth to that. But at the same time, he kind of showed us a way to look at it um, and and tease out these connections and these interesting patterns and the sort of larger meaning within that, that I think is really one of his most important innovations and probably one of the things that people don't talk about quite as much, I think. So um, I've, I've loved what he's done with that, especially with Firewalk with me and, Um, I know a lot of people love the dreams of dear metal theory for me, John's essay on Laura Palmer was really the key one. And it it showed me a way to look at firewalk with me where, you know, we weren't just experiencing her trauma and and going through that to sort of the bitter end, but also finding this kind of transcendence. And, And it really pointed me to things that were already in the film itself and kind of put those together. So I think that's been hugely important and I can't wait to see how he does that with the new material as well. And, discussions and arguments and agreements and just new discoveries. That, that will come out of that. So thank you, John, and thank you at Twin Peaks Unwrapped for hosting this great tribute.
6: But you know, and Craig wrote some great stuff too. I didn't publish any of that in the book because Craig wrote it and it's really his material. He wrote a great essay about Maholland Drive and a great essay about Eraserhead. Those are great issues to read too. I always loved it when you were able to get
5: Mark Frost too. I mean, Green Issue 9, yeah. uh, The Invisible Man there with Mark Frost. But yeah. like. Oh, it was especially this issue so a couple of things I think this is the one where he kind of kind of goes into what could have happened with Twin Peaks like yeah. you know, what would have happened with the third season or something yes. and then right. also I, I won a contest so uh, I oh. won the a, a, a Wrapped and Plastic magazine contest and I got a signed Mark Frost issue nine yeah. so I still
6: is probably one of my most treasured Twin
5: Peaks uh, things
6: so I gotta ask you Ben if you don't mind yeah. me asking you you can cut this out if you okay. don't want to ask how old how old were you that was coming out. Seventeen years old. Okay, so, so I was going through. <laughs> I, <was getting> <laughs> no. I want to. I'm going to read a letter. Can no, I read please. A letter? Don't. Oh, you should read it. You <laughs> should read it, John. This it's this a, is from all my stuff is super go- ge- extremely
5: geeky. You got to read it, it. It makes no sense. Yeah, you got to uh, read it, John. Is, you got to read this it.
6: Is, this is wrapped in plastic number six, <laughs> and there's a letter in here. No, that yeah. I expl- <laughs> I'm going to read the letter real quick. Yeah. The letter goes, dear Whip. I need to clarify this thing about a monkey in Firewalk With Me. <laughs> Throughout the Twin Peaks series and movie, one point has always come up, the owls are not what they seem. The owls, it's not a monkey, but oh, an owl man. close up eating the cream corn. The owls are Bob and his followers. Blah 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 it goes on. I'm so delug- um, I'm so delusional. Says, that
5: looks nothing like an. Owl. I mean, oh, but. Uh. Right,
6: says, <laughs> Sheriff Truman said to Cooper in episode three that there is some kind of darkness in the woods, and that takes many forms, as spirit and owls. Hope you get the message, Ben Whoa, Durant. Oh wow, means- wow. <laughs>
5: Hope you get oh the my message. That, that doesn't sound like me. Hope you get the message. Oh oh my gosh. That couldn't have been that tone. It must have been a nice, like, I hope you understand. No, I know. I know. I read it that
4: way. I read it that way. Wow. I was like, I
5: I won't read this magazine anymore if you don't understand that it's the owls. Owls, not the monkeys.
6: (laughs) I was dying. I saw that the other day. I I mean, I don't remember the letters, but I
5: saw that. Like, Like, why did you publish that?
6: That guy is crazy. That's great. No, we love to get letters where people were taking us to task or people had a different opinion. Those were the best letters because, um, you know, you can publish letters where people are like, I love what you did. It was great. I love this. I love that. But it would be great when you'd get a letter. And then Craig, of course, if there was a letter that went through a lot of points that said this, I don't, I disagree with this. I disagree with this theory. Craig would write like a full, you know, two page response. Well, point, you know, on point three, you said this, but we think that and I and, and he really liked that dialogue and, and that back and forth. We, we encouraged that. We didn't care if people disagreed. And I, I hope you take my mocking of your letter in the No, no, I mock uh, it in I myself. was just joking around.
5: <laughs> I think it's pretty so, funny because you um, look back on it and say, what were you thinking? It's clearly a monkey. But I, you were I know young. You were I was young. young like I could... You were young. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, all of us were sometimes looking at things and trying, I'm trying to make sense of it. Why would a monkey fit into this? We still don't know why there was a monkey. Yes. <laughs> so
6: it's yeah. It's okay. I mean, there's there like no a, monkey yeah. yet the return so
0: right yeah <laughs> judy wasn't a monkey there was no monkey he should yeah. have been a monkey somewhere
6: yeah
0: <laughs> i even think about the re- so like
5: the, even the return There was yeah there's no owls we were talking about this there's, there's an owl flying by yeah. when dougie first comes to the house and then there's yes. some, con- some images like owl cookie jar in the joe's yeah.
6: house but there really wasn't <laughs> any mention of the owls yeah and it seemed like they did one mention of every one of the famous identifying elements of the original series they had One, I think they had one damn good coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And they had one cherry pie. I don't think we saw donuts very often. We saw them maybe. Once or twice, Chad got one for when he's getting the envelope and stuff. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and then we had an at one time. The owl flew by. They wanted to acknowledge all that old stuff, but they didn't want to dwell on it. They wanted yeah, to yeah. move on. So, what was it like for you guys to
5: get Mark Frost, and then not only did you oh. get him for that issue, but he later on you'd get him again, and he'd come back mm-hmm. for other things that he was working on. You guys get to interview
6: The first time was, I mean, we were just thrilled. He had the book, his book out, the List of Seven, and uh, we. Said, hey, you know, we're definitely going to promote that book. And we both read the book and took notes and we were ready for that interview. But then we asked him too if he wouldn't mind uh, talking about Twin Peaks and he said fine. And so, uh, but we were nervous because it was so close and people might not realize this now, but. We were so close to Twin Peaks. It had only been off the air for two years or so. And it it didn't end well. And the film didn't get the best reviews at the time. The film was considered really a big flop. And so we... Felt that there were people who might not really want to dwell on the past. It, yeah. it, Twin Peaks seemed kind of like a failure at that time. While it had a strong fan base, we were careful. Uh, we didn't want to ask a lot of questions because we thought, well, maybe he doesn't want to talk too much. He was very uh, free with his time. and gave us a lot of uh, good answers. But still, there was that sense of like, well, he wants to talk about new stuff. Yeah, um yeah. And, and you know that changed as time went along um, as, as time went on and we kind of got a relationship with him. we always promoted whatever project, whether it was a book or a film or, or a new show. I think he enjoyed talking to us and so we got him to open up a little more or at least he you know he felt more comfortable talking to us and and we talked more Twin Peaks later. you know, I met him about a year ago in Austin and he was finishing his book tour and I hadn't talked to him in a decade and I hadn't mm. actually physically seen him him in much longer than that. And I went up to him and he was very generous with his time. He actually said, come back here and let's sit down and talk for a while. He gave me some time to chat with him one-on-one. And then of course, I mean, I, I was just dumbfounded and stunned when he sent out of the blue he sent me an email and said i've got a ticket for you to the premiere so i mean i was like okay (laughs) i think my head was spinning a little bit i had to sit Uh... down he's a very very nice person and i think he understands that a lot of fans out there and and some are very serious about the work that he's done he treats us seriously too he under he respects the stuff that we're doing issue 75 the last issue both he and david lynch gave us interviews and we said we want to talk about twin peaks and they were okay we'll Mm -hmm. we'll do it
0: and to end it with david lynch is pretty icing on the cake yeah
6: yeah that was that was a huge surprise too i mean again though you know and you guys know this if if someone's got something they want to promote yeah um then you know you you promote it for them you help them and then you say hey can we talk about this as well And they're usually more than happy to like yeah sure let's talk about some twin peaks as well. So that's what we did with Lynch. He had the eraser head DVD and, and website DavidLynch. and then um, yeah, and all that, yeah, yeah, and then he also wanted to talk about transcendental meditation quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. when we got to issue 75, he he wanted to discuss that with us. And actually lately I've been pulling that issue out and reading that interview because I feel like some of what he was saying there informs what he was doing in the new show. Mm-hmm. So I think it was valuable interview to get that stuff from him
5: and thinking about issues 75 i remember reading it the first time thinking oh you guys are taking a break <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I well, they really were they kind of were Sorry. but it was clear that with the index that you put at the end mm-hmm. where it basically you could go to there and say okay what issue has this interview ah. and then uh, you clearly knew this was probably a, you know wrapping up for good or at least you, you you had the thought to at least put some work into the index and putting it all together yeah
6: yeah i mean and it's it's I mean, it's bittersweet, really, because it, it, we knew it was the end, and we said, "Well, but you know, and you never know. Maybe we'll come back." And I. You know, uh, if Craig had not passed away, we would be doing wrapped in plastic again. Yeah. I mean, there's no, I'm sure of it. We would have right. something. I don't know what it would be. It didn't turn out that way. I, it did turn out that <laughs> Scott Ryan asked me if I wanted to come back and do magazine stuff again and kind of convinced me to do that. So <laughs> we've got <laughs> the blue yeah. and I love that there's a new magazine out. It's not wrapped in plastic. Uh, it's kind of its own thing, but um, it's in the spirit of wrapped in plastic. So we'll see how long that goes. I hope it goes for a while. We'll, we'll keep Keep at it, I'm working on it right now. So, uh.
9: well, thank you, Twin Peaks Boys, for allowing the Blue Rose to get to talk a little bit about John Thorne and the 25th anniversary of Wrapped in Plastic. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Scott Ryan.
10: My name is Courtney Stallings, and I'm the associate editor of the Blue Rose magazine.
9: You know, I remember a couple years ago, I saw Carrie Fisher at an award show for George Lucas, and she was presenting him with a Lifetime Achievement Award. And she said she had a feeling that this was all she was going to be doing from now on, is just showing up and giving George Lucas awards. And that's sort of how I feel here. You know, when John gets more praise, who do they call but old Scott Ryan to come out and give more praise to John Thorne. I love it.
10: Well, you know, Scott, we all know that John is the master and John is so superior to you.
9: (laughs) Of course. I mean, that's, that's what we need. That's, that's how it is. It's the great John Thorne and maybe Scott and Courtney.
10: Maybe, maybe, maybe we're down there somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. No, but we really want to honor John Thorne. I think Scott calls him the godfather of Twin Peaks.
9: And he loves Um, that by the way.
10: (laughs) He and Craig Miller, um, you know, ran the Grafton Plastic magazine for years and years, and we all enjoyed reading it. And now Scott and I get the honor and pleasure of reading his work before it's published. And it, it really
9: is an honor. Yeah, I mean, I said this recently about John, and it's just the truth. I learned more about writing from last October to today working with John than I did all the years before about brevity, about perspective, about making sure that your opinion is not just thrown out there, but that it's based in fact. And his writing is different than everyone else's.
10: Yes, he he thinks deeply. He writes deeply. He takes the time to ponder the issues. He never shoots down anyone's theory, but asks questions to make them think a little bit more about about what they're claiming. He's a real intellectual, and he's a kind, kind man.
9: Yeah, and, and very humble as well, which is why I think all these tributes to what he's done over the last 25 years is definitely something he deserves, and... You know, I I think I've told this story a billion times on Twin Peaks Unwrapped and I'll I'll do it for a billion and one. I pursued John <laughs> since the day I met him in 2015 to bring the magazine back and it took me from the summer of 2015 to the fall of 2016 of me continuously asking him now is now the time is now the time now it's not the time is now the time until finally it was the time and i'm just so honored to be working with john and courtney they're both smarter than me and what the country forgets right now is that's who you want to surround yourself with the smartest and the best people
10: that is absolutely correct scott and we are smarter than you and better than you and thank you for finally acknowledging
9: it as you can see we have so much fun in the blue rose magazine and john is uh, he if he was here he'd be just as zany he loves this kind of zany talk he's so happy i'm the one they ask when they need someone to talk about him believe me i'd be his number one pick i swear I just feel this is a monumental occasion, and I think back to when Johnny Carson was ending his series, and how Bette Midler came on, and she sang that song sitting at Johnny's desk. And in that honor, and I guess sort of that vein, I thought, what would John want? And I thought John would want me to sing to him. So just imagine John sitting at the desk, and I'm just sitting up on the table. And I wrote this song last night, and. I, I'd like to sing it all for you, if you wouldn't mind. In a one, two, three.
5: Cut, cut, cut. And I'm enjoying
9: issue three. I mean, Me too. it's great. I love the guide awesome. that you put together. It's yeah. a lot of
5: insight. Things that I missed, like somehow I missed Lucy talking about time, and then mm-hmm. at the end in oh, part 17, time does stop, and so there's like little things like wow, John, you really picked that up. Good night, John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they also mentioned there was another one too, where like so part eight, that whole lore ball. Could be a tulpa, which after you saying that, it's like, yeah, I bet you're right. I bet that might not even be the real Laura Palmer. I bet you that it makes so much sense now that we have these tulpas that do turn into these right. little golden orbs that yeah. I bet, I said, like, I bet you John is right here. <laughs> well, I mean, Laura you know was what?
6: Manufactured. I, that, uh, that's a version. interesting. A that. Uh, and that I've been thinking about. I don't have any theory yet. Of course, any theory that ever I do come up with will just be that—simply a theory. I don't think anyone's ever going to solve it, unless David Lynch were to come out and say, "Okay, this is what it means, and this <laughs> right. is how it yeah, fits." And yeah. but I have been giving a lot more thought to Laura's role in the whole. Story and the idea that Laura might not be Laura, and that the clues were there from the very beginning. And again, I don't know if this is what they meant, but when Cooper has the dream in episode two, the little man says, She's
2: my cousin, but doesn't she work? almost like that? do it, Laura Palmer. But it, it is Laura
11: Palmer. Are you Laura Palmer?
10: I hey, feel like I know
6: some my arms, And then that happens again in The Return.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
6: and then they use these clips from Fire Walk With Me, which are fascinating if you just think about them from a different perspective, where she's talking to James and she says, You don't even know me.
10: There are things about me.
0: Even Donna doesn't know me.
6: Laura yeah. the laura you knew disappeared and i'm thinking well what if that's literal wow what she is not laura and it all this time the laura who got killed maybe or the laura that, that cooper tries to save is a tulpa hmm. um and that's why she disappeared i don't know i'm trying to connect these things but i do yeah. think that there may be a, a door to open there and and, and, and so i thought well where could it have happened? Let's say that there. Well, so in Fire Walk with Me, she gets the painting, she hangs it on the wall, she has a dream, uh, and then she sees herself in the doorway. Of course, we now kind of know more about that realm, whatever it is. In in a way, did she save herself? Wow. I mean, one of, one of the pages is missing, yeah. And so, you know, metaphorically, that's Carrie Page. Did Laura save herself? I, I want yeah. Laura to have some say in her destiny. So, Definitely. Was Laura able to save herself by? staying in the painting and maybe that's where Carrie Page emerged from and that the Laura that wakes up is now a tulpa and it did you see what, how I'm trying to put oh yeah she I, always I, like I traded
5: places in the through the painting or something yeah, yeah. yeah and her hair exactly you know, the, uh, the connection
0: yeah. with her hair in uh, episode 2 her hair is exactly the same like Carrie Page she doesn't have the long Laura Palmer hair anymore which is interesting yeah. it's a small detail but if Scott Ryan built a whole case on that with yeah I know. With Cooper, was Cooper's <laughs> hair, but with Laura's, it, it, it's literally the same hairdo as Carrie Page, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, that why would you do that? Why would you not give Laura Palmer hair? Yeah. That yeah. we we know and we we know and then all of a sudden Carrie Page would have a different hair.
6: No, I think you're on to something. You know, Laura screams a number of times. I keep calling it as a return, but now everyone's calling it season three, so yeah. I don't know what to call it anymore. Season but.
0: three. We were told Sabrina <laughs> got mad at us. Oh. We can yeah, get mad, but no, no, no. Well, on the, in in the interview, she corrected us. She corrected us. I said in the return, and she stopped me dead in my
6: tracks and said
0: oh, season okay. three. <laughs> It was a Showtime thing. Oh, I'm going to yeah. call it season
6: three. Yeah. I was in the offices of showtime Showtime. Ben was there. I don't know if you yes. were there at the time, ben. I was there. They <laughs> said, do not call it season three. Right. Call it the, we do not. Yes. We call it The Return. Right. And I yeah. thought, okay, uh, you know. We but it wanna... seems like a marketing thing. It, it was, was a marketing, marketing thing. thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sabrina I, said. I, I guess so. I, yeah. I thought. That directive was coming from Lynch. I really did at the time. I thought no, well, they he, were he doesn't s- want to call it season three. They were going to call it Twin I, Peaks. Uh, yeah. I, we were wrong. And I still yeah. remember
5: Mark Frost saying it was just Twin, Peaks. It's just like Twin he, Peaks. He didn't even say season three. I mean, I think it was on Twitter or something. He would say it's just Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks.
6: OK, well, I'm going to call it season three. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and now the Blu-ray and DVD is calling it season it's three. About- Real quick, back to the Laura stuff. I mean, Laura screams she she screams in part two where she shows this her face all of that i think is really important i've read some i certainly haven't read all of the various theories that have been out there, but i don't know how many have really kind of tried to tackle what's going on with laura in the story and w- what the meaning of that light behind her face is she whispers something to cooper which startles him and then she screams and she's sucked away uh, somehow and, and then it happens again that she she screams when he's Leading her through the woods, I, yeah. I think, right? Doesn't she yeah. scream? Yep. Yeah. She's. Once um, she disappears, so those, all you hear is that those scream. Those disappearances yeah. and those screams and that that whisper. I think all of that is critical to unlocking at least some of what happened in Part 18. Hmm. And I don't have an answer right now, but I think that all of that was so important. (laughs) I was
5: thinking about that whole Laura whispering into Cooper's ear. Maybe she's saying something like, Judy is my mother. (laughs) You know, something like that? Mm, Yeah. You know how, like, my father killed me or something like that? It seems like Cole was saying that Cooper knows uh, that Judy was this. Evil force, yeah, and so and that he was actually part of his mission was to go to Twin Peaks in relation to this. I mean, it puts a whole new spin on Mm -hmm. things that he maybe knew more stuff. Why did he decide to take
6: Carrie Laura to the Palmer House? You're right, uh, what Cole says does kind of redefine everything, and I think maybe that Lynch and Frost were trying to expand the boundaries of what Twin Peaks was so that it wasn't just this. FBI going to investigate a murder, and then it, it spun into something else. It was more. There was a backstory that bracketed it that we may not have been aware of then, but now we're we're getting that revelation that Cooper went to Twin Peaks. Really, he kind of knew he might disappear. He might know something more about Judy and its connection with Laura Palmer. So, that's interesting. I've read some great stuff online. Uh, I think it's T. Kyle King just put something out on the 25 Years Later site where he thinks that maybe it was Laura's dream that Cooper went into at Part 18. And Mm -hmm. I thought a little bit about that. I kind of like the idea that it's Laura's dream. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think it might be someone else's Dream, maybe it's Cooper's dream, or maybe um, it's not a dream at all, that everything else before that was a dream. And I, I, you know, there's so many theories, and right. there's so many different ways to you know to, to substantiate those theories there's, there's a lot of good stuff out there but i do like the idea that maybe it was laura's dream and that mm-hmm. i have to go back and listen again but you know the very last moment laura carrie looks at the house and she hears sarah palmer yelling well mm. i think it's sarah palmer yeah yeah there sure yeah, it is yeah, yeah. And, and and i don't know if anyone's been able to precisely identify whether that was sarah palmer calling to laura palmer in the pilot where she's trying to wake her up it sounds like she's calling me. up yeah. the stairs and says, Laura, you know, time for school, Laura. Yeah. And if that's the case, I, I really like the idea that maybe Laura's waking up at that moment hmm. uh, and it's possible that she wakes up and she was not killed. Oh my. Uh, and, but then that, that opens up a lot of other worrisome issues. So if Laura was not killed and she wakes up that morning and she's waking up from this dream, then does that mean she still has to face you know the terrible life that she has with yeah. with leland as as essentially <clears throat> her oppressor and Bob still a force, or was there something there that I can't piece together that means that she wakes up and her life is better that you know I mean I don't know right. um,
5: yeah it's interesting though. so
6: a lot of people are saying that that you know Judy's being defeated in that moment that Judy has is in the house and she's been defeated and I, I I think there's some stretching that has to go on to make that case. I personally, personally don't think Judy can be defeated. I don't, I think it's, I think we reduce Judy when we say, oh, you know, Cooper had a plan to trap her. I think Judy is to quote Albert, the evil that men do. Yeah. And I don't think you can, I don't think you'd ever erase Judy. uh, If Judy is that malevolent force that just exists in reality, I think all you can do is deny Judy. Uh, and I think that happened at somehow when we see Sarah smashing the picture of Laura at the end of part 17 that Judy uh, has been denied Laura. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and if you go back, if you even go back to Firewalk with me, the idea of what happened with Laura when she puts the ring on is that she's denying Bob and the little man what they wanted. Their prize mm-hmm. was to possess Laura mm and then she denies them so and there's some evidence that lynch goes to the theme of you can't have me i'm going to resist the temptation or i'm, I'm not going to fall into the trap and that's the best we can do so that's where i'm sitting right now in, in the way i approach it i i i feel more comfortable with the idea that judy cannot be destroyed yeah. and yeah even though Cole talks about this idea that cooper and and philip jeffries have been after judy i think it's a fool's errand, really. I don't think yeah. they can do it. No. So
7: that's that's where I'm coming from right now as I try to analyze it. Hey, guys, it's David Bushman. John Thorne, 25 years. Wow, I can't believe you started that magazine when you were just 10 years old. Okay, just kidding, John. But Rap and Plastic meant so much to me, all those amazing interviews. But mostly I just devoured the, those deconstructions of the mythology of Twin Peaks. They were so brilliant and so provocative, and I just couldn't get enough of it. God knows you and I have disagreed, hint, Dear Meadow Dream, but I like what you said. In Twin Peaks, there's no wrong or right. There's just mystery and exploration. Getting to know you has been a real joy. You are so generous with your time and your thoughts, and I'm really lucky to call you a friend. I'm so happy that it is happening again. Now with the Blue Rose magazine, which you founded with Scott Ryan, who will kill me if I don't mention the magazine in his name. Bye, guys. John, congratulations on 25 years.
0: After watching it the three times in a row that night, <laughs> um, crazy. that's where I kind of stood with that, John. I was kind of on the same page with this whole um, Cooper's in her playing field of subconscious or dreaming, and I was like, "Well, she is a dreamer. She's one an ultimate dreamer because she's trying to mm-hmm. escape a bad situation by getting pretending to be someone else." And I was, mm-hmm. I took it by the third time that he was in this other level of consciousness that would allow him to coexist with her as someone else trying to escape. But I feel that evil is leaked into that world because, you know, she shot her, husband or
6: somebody well, in the room you we, know we don't know for sure if she shot that person. yeah but he's we don't know yeah, yeah yeah and she has a really curious way of answering the door when cooper's there she goes did you find him which yeah, could yeah. be. did you find the guy who was just here and shot him? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't
0: know. it shows that there's this leaking of evil yeah. that's even going further into her mind so mm-hmm. um And then I always felt her face has this look on her face the entire time Agent Cooper is asking about, do you know who Laura Palmer is to the family at the house? She has this look on her face, to me anyway, that just kind of says, like, she's worried. Like, almost like... Oh my God, the jig is up! Right. Something's yeah. gonna trigger, and I'm gonna wake up, or he, I'm gonna have to face maybe. Yeah, like I'm gonna it. have to face reality. We yeah. you stop, you know, you're prying too much. And then when she hears, you know, her mom yelling for her, she screams because I kind of took it as I gotta go back to reality now, and yeah. uh, she's trying to escape, I, and she just can't. I don't that's know. That's really interesting. Know.
6: Oh no, I really, really do like that a lot. I like the idea that maybe Laura, maybe when she dreamt in firewalk with me, like we talked about earlier or at some other point laura found a way to escape and she went into this other world where she was able to live as carrie page again i i go back to the idea of the missing diary page and i i think to myself you know well, Laura is the one who got rid of that diary page. It wasn't hmm. someone else. Yes. Laura is the yes. one. No one could yeah. ever find it. So Laura was responsible in some, again, metaphoric way that yeah. Laura removed herself. And what if she is maybe in some ways trapped or lost in the dream mm-hmm. and and Cooper's fixed the world for her maybe uh, somehow. And now he needs to go back and, and bring her out of this dream, br- restore her to reality. Um, I like that because both of them seem to be equally important in a way, uh, that she escaped and then he went to go and say, look, I fixed things and now I I, I have to – it's very hard for you to find your way back, but I can do it. I can get you back. So mm-hmm. a lot of questions still yes. answered, but, <laughs> but I, I do – feel comfortable right now with that idea that yeah. maybe she was trapped in a, in a dream state or, or another world and he was the one to bring her back now that scream at the end is just does not imply a happy ending no. but you know i mean laura screamed and seems to have some powerful force behind it at other times
5: our show last week we had uh, mark gibbons on and this came up, and I love that uh, uh, Brian. You actually mentioned about the electricity of the the house going out. Yeah, like she screams, and then the next thing that happens is there's like flash uh, of the of the house. Like, yeah, and I thought it, it yeah. kind of bring that to the electricity. How uh, Dougie Cooper uh, woke up with electricity and stuff. Yeah, so I, I yeah, I thought that was an
0: interesting connection yeah there, th- yeah it. I mean everything goes out so it's interesting hmm. too that's another th- <laughs> yeah that's good I like that Kimmy Robertson
2: you know what's interesting about the rap and plastic is I have every single issue, Ah. as far as I know. But back then, was everybody kept talking about this wrapped in plastic, wrapped in plastic, wrapped in plastic? And I was like, oh my gosh! And they were sending them to me. So I finally opened one, and I went, oh wow, I love this! I knew that they wanted me to do it, but it was like it took like a year, I think, before I ever, or maybe two. It was like forever before I ever got to do one. I mean, mine. And John waited and waited and was so patient and never got mad and never got cranky. Yeah, that's a magazine that's going to go in a space capsule or something and go out into space so that everybody knows how cool we were on Earth.
5: Some of my favorite issues of Wrapped in Plastic magazine were the Unseen Twin Peaks, where you <laughs> guys dug into like, find these scripts and kind of saying, okay, you know, here's what was on the page, the script, and here's what happened on the show. And those are my favorite because it kind of gives you more of a sense of what they were thinking about. And, and my only thing is, like, oh, I, I wonder if we'll, be able, if we'll be able to do that now because of the way the scripts were handed out and so secretive, if we'll ever right. get to see, the, you know, the yeah. return or season three scripts. I,
0: I don't know. It would be cool to see them.
6: You know, it was really a whole different dynamic when the show was on ABC than it, than it was when it was on Showtime. And with the interesting thing about looking at the script is that they reveal a lot of how the show is being developed on a very fast schedule. They, they don't have time to, to really figure it all out, necessarily. And you can tell that they scripted something one way, and then they cut it. They either didn't shoot it or they cut it because they knew this is going to lead us down a path. We don't have time for that. Or this is going to close some doors to some plots and maybe we want to leave them open. And so it's fascinating to look at network TV scripts and and the doorway that it opens to how the show was made and how the show was uh, imagined by this team of writers. I don't think if we had the script's to to the new show uh, it would it would give us that same kind of information i think mm. the script was done i really feel like lynch and frost had done this completed script and then lynch probably added material to it and mm. maybe on the we know for a fact that he actually at times was scripting on the spot something occurred to him he thought it was a neat idea and so he he scripted on while they were shooting and so i'm not even sure those may even exist that we would be able to look at a, a final version so it's a different dynamic i mean as a as a project that was really shot from beginning to end and edited from beginning to end and it was a whole thing you know when they're shooting episode 17 in the second scene they don't know really for sure how things are going to turn out in episode right. 25 yeah. sure. so they're fitting plates and it's, it's kind of fascinating to see that in the script
5: yeah and of yeah. course when then you have the david lynch dynamics where he yes <laughs> he come changes on, especially, things. especially with episode 29 he comes in and he throws out half the script and just rewrites it I and mean, that was i think really interesting yeah as well yeah See that? <laughs> really, David Lynch looked at this as a movie, and they really did film this as a movie. So they had the, they finished the script, and then I think they probably broke it up by location. Like if they're going to be filming all their stuff in this location, we're going to film it. But it's like, yeah, yeah, it is a very different from the old series and episodes.
6: Yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah, a whole different approach. I think. Look, when Twin Peaks season two started, a day it only shot through. I think maybe. Uh, the middle of maybe hiding that far and they might have shot I could go back I have to the dates but they had no idea if they were even going to get renewed for a second part of the second season wow. when they started shooting yeah. so they don't know they didn't know and the scripts are interesting to look at but when they did the return season three when they did season <laughs> three they uh, knew exactly you know what they had to do to make it to, to, to complete it. And, it, and when when it, the show premiered on May twenty first, it was complete all the way through to yeah. part eighteen. It was done. It was right. in the can. It was ready to go. There was no you know possibility that it could
5: change. I almost wanted to ask Sabrina this, but I think that was the answer. I almost when we talked to Sabrina, I almost wanted to ask her. just like, so did you guys ever go in there and change a, a part? You know, like because you had eighteen or you have fifteen weeks to go in there and say, ah, like, oh, maybe I'll. Play around with you know part eighteen or something like that. Yeah. But I I think the answer probably is they they were done they they yeah. finished it and they gave it they handed it off to Showtime.
6: The only sequence I think that may have been added in later is the Monica Bellucci dream and and we we know we heard that shooting was being done in Paris uh, much later uh, after. We had heard that the, the series had wrapped, I think, mm-hmm. and I think, as I recall, we were like, "Whoa, wait a minute, they're doing more." And if you go back and you watch that scene again it's very interesting that Cole describes the dream to Albert and he says all the lines of the dream. He, he says them all. And then we see them repeated again in the dream. Yeah, And I wonder if when Lynch was shooting it, he was like, you know, I'd love to shoot this dream, but I can't be sure I'm going to. So I'm going to make sure I convey every bit of dialogue from the dream in case we never get a chance to shoot that. And had they not been able to do that, Monica Bellucci thing, then they still had Cole describing the dream exactly as it occurred. And then he had the chance to actually do it. Yeah. I think a couple of months later, he actually hmm. was able to, to make that happen. Yeah, uh, Yeah. Um, that's just one little. There may have been other instances where they thought, well, you know, maybe we can squeeze this in. But um, I think for the most part, they knew where they were headed and how they were going to wrap it up.
0: Hello, this is Diane calling from Brighton. Um, it's me, Rosie. Uh, Bobsy. Hello. And Mark. Hello there. And we just wanted to drop in to join the tribute to John Thorne. Thank you so much for all your work over the years, John. He's been a lantern in the woods. He's kept the community going. I would say... His uh, work, keeping this fandom alive is part of the reason why we got the
8: return in the first place. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, He's the part soul of, of the fandom. And part of the reason yeah. that we got involved in doing this. Absolutely. You know, the consistent quality of his work, yep. to have such an articulate and eloquent and smart super fan, king fan, has literally kept Twin Peaks alive, I think. So, cheers.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, John. Um, enjoy the tributes. Thanks, John. Thanks. Cheers.
5: So, what were some of the favorite things that you enjoyed working on Raptid Plastic? Like, was there different <laughs> parts of it that you like? Hey, I loved the interviews, or I loved doing the essays. Well, the interviews were great. I mean, really, the interviews were so much
6: fun because here we are, you know, writing about Twin Peaks, and then we had a chance to connect with somebody who was really there and who had some insight or had some some story we'd never heard before. I mean, mm-hmm. a, you know, a lot of those interviews were done in the mid '90s, and the actors we were speaking to and and the writers we were speaking to were very, still very close to the show. You know, as time goes by, with all of us, our memories fade or we kind of remember it differently than maybe happened. But some of those interviews back then, they were so close. I think there's an accuracy uh to much of what they had to say and i i remember we'd be talking to someone and they would tell us a story about this or that and we'd never heard it before it was a brand new piece of twin wow. peaks and it was like <laughs> oh i remember i mean i'd finished the interview and i'd call my friend nick who was a huge twin peaks fan and I go, oh, we just talked with richard beamer and he told us this it's so amazing <laughs> isn't this amazing so uh that was fun uh, the essay's were always the hardest part uh those were really really tough but probably the most rewarding feeling when they were done it's like hey we we got something pretty good yeah and we talk about deadline for the show but like you guys were under
5: a real deadline for for this magazine every two months or so you were putting it out how was
6: that for both you and craig trying to get a magazine (laughs) done every two months that was hard sometimes yeah. because Craig would call me up and he goes, we have nothing for the next. <laughs> we, we, we have nothing. And we realized, like, and we had, you know, we literally had six weeks to do it. Wow. It was four it was eight weeks total. It had to go to the printer two weeks before it would be out on the stands. So we had eight weeks, but we had six weeks to, to actually make it. A lot of times we were lucky. We'd have an interview banked, you know, we'd have, okay, we got Grace of That's going to be the main thing. In, in issue 35 or whatever it was, and, but we're still working on issue 34. Mm-hmm. So, we don't, we can kind of relax a little because so we've, we've got the main piece, and then of course, letters pages were great. We talked about pages. <laughs> <laughs> we get like a bunch of letters, you're like, okay, good, that's four pages right there, yeah. so we've got that. But can remember many times Craig calling and saying, Look, we've got to do something, and there would be times when we didn't know what we were going to do. We said, Well, we don't have an interview and we don't have an essay, and so we got to come up with something, and we'd brainstorm. What are we gonna do? Well, we didn't do Twin Peaks in Japan. We need to get into all that interesting <laughs> stuff that we've got. We've got posters and games, and you know, and Georgia Coffee. You know, let's let's do that. It was a lot of fun, but it, it really, truly was work. I mean, it really was.
5: And definitely, this magazine has so much history. I mean, like it really yes. is. Like, if you want to know what Twin Peaks, this was the magazine. And like, I think about those Georgia Coffee commercials. Only way I found out like the actors that played those characters was through your magazine. Like, there's I don't know how else to find that information. They're commercials. I mean. I mean that's not an easy thing to look up and say, hey, who did this? Oh, I'd love to know more about this. And I go back to a certain issue and and you guys had it. You guys really did your homework.
6: Again, this was before the internet for for a lot of it. I mean the internet, the, the ability to get on and look stuff up. Was was happening as we were making the magazine? We'd go to the library and look. <laughs> I had access to SMU's media library, so I'd be able to pull out magazines from other countries and and look up what they written about Twin Peaks. And I spent a lot of time in the library, sometimes just sort of treasure hunting, see yeah. what I could find. Life got easier when I could look stuff up on the internet. It really <laughs> got a lot. I just sit there and I go, "Let's see, what's Chris Mulkey been in?" I just yeah. I, yeah, type it in. Yeah, you know, and we were lucky too. We would get a lot of stuff in the mail people would send us stuff so for the Georgia coffee commercials I think probably through katherine Colson I'm, I'm guessing we probably got some sort of press kit in for me or at least some documentation on how it was put together and we just yeah we had it so we were able to put it in the magazine cool yeah, that's cool and I love that you guys had an ad you had Bruce
5: Phillips he had his Twin Peaks collection and like I, I would like order stuff all the time. VHS tapes like, oh, this is the, the invitation to love uh, outtakes. and It was <laughs> yeah. like all kinds of stuff. But it was because of your magazine that I could find Bruce Phillips and, and order all this uh, hard-to-find stuff.
6: Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, there was no way to just get on YouTube and look some of that up. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, Bruce just amassed all this stuff. <laughs> he had all this – he was like a super fan and he had connections. He had new people who had worked on the show and yeah he would put out a catalog, and we would get that catalog and look through what what neat stuff did Bruce (laughs) uncover.
11: I'm Perry Horton, author of Between Two Worlds, Perspectives on Twin Peaks, and I covered the return for One Perfect Shot in Film School Rejects. I discovered Wrapped in Plastic in the mid-90s when I was a college student and in the throes of my lynching obsession. This magazine didn't just make me into the Twin Peaks fan I am, it made me into the media critic I became. It taught me ways of thinking about film and television that went beyond and beneath the normal scope of criticism, and it imbued the series with even deeper mysteries than the ones shown on screen. The essays inside every issue taught me that the quest is always more intriguing than the solution, and that great series never really get cancelled, they just pass into study. It was efforts like wrapped in plastic that kept Twin Peaks' fever alive in the interim, and that fever is a large part of why we were able to get the return. Every Twin Peaks scholar, myself included, is just continuing the work Wrapped in Plastic started, and every Twin Peaks fan owes it a debt of gratitude for keeping the torch lit.
5: 25 years later of – I can't believe it's been that long. (laughs) Yeah, happy anniversary. It was such a great time for me, like going from high school to through college and, you know, after having these magazines to, you know, every few months to get and see what's new with Twin Peaks or just things I had never thought of. It, John, I mean I was always so impressed the way your mind worked and how you put things together and you came up with these very thoughtful, creative (laughs) ideas that you did. It, It was something else.
6: Well, thanks. I mean, again, it was a huge amount of fun and we were just so into Twin Peaks and uh, you know we were pretty young so it's like we're doing this let's let's do it and uh <laughs> yeah, this is the month october 14th is the actual day that uh of plastic one showed up in comic book stores i guess primarily where it, it Showed up and so I thought, well, I'm going to pull a bunch of stuff out of my files and put them up on the blog and a few people might be interested. I'm interested because I, I never pull that stuff out and curious things I found. I'm, I'm going to do a few blog posts. So. Can, you,
5: can you mention the blog post so that people
6: can check it <laughs> yeah. out? Yeah. Oh, sure. Get to it. It's above the abovethestore.blogspot.com. And I call the blog above the convenience store. Cool. Uh, and there's a lot of old stuff on there too that I've written. A lot of I pulled a lot of material from wrapped in Plastic, little things, and and put them up. Uh, again on the blog.
5: I mean, I'm so excited uh, for you and for this <laughs> this amazing magazine yes. after all these years. And, and I, yeah, people say it all the time, I'm sure to you, but like you you through the wilderness, through those dark times when there was no Twin Peaks, <laughs> there was Raptor <laughs> plastic. There was that, you know, to ha- clin- cling on to that when there was nothing else. It's like you could always rely on y- your guys' work.
6: It, it was a lot of fun to do. And I'm glad, you know, it was the success it was. It's got a tiny little footnote in the history of Twin Peaks, and that's Good. I'm glad. That's good
5: enough. I don't believe it's a little footnote. I think it's, it's a, a big, big part. Footnote. It's yeah. a big <laughs> part. And I love. I mean, I, I love that you, Craig and you got to actually be uh, recorded on uh, oh. videotape or whatever you know film. And yes. I think yeah. it's a part of the
6: Blu-ray. and It Is might be part Blu-ray? of the. Uh, it's on everything, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. could have been better. It was better. Yeah. We to redo it It was much better. And it was, I think I've said this before, I, I'm repeating myself, but the interview we did with Frost, Mark Frost, for that DVD release that didn't, then eventually that, you know, went on to the Blu-rays, but the full interview was an hour long and wow. we went into all kinds of detail, all kinds of interesting stuff about Twin Peaks. And we really picked his brain yeah. and they used 10 minutes of it, you know, <laughs> and I, I think the rest of it is missing. Yeah. I, I mean, we oh. will never see it again. That's I know it a shame.
0: Shame. We need
5: to reach out to somebody and say, hey, is, there, is it is it locked up somewhere in a vault? It would
0: make a great, like, you know, a segment on a podcast or yes. you put it on YouTube <laughs> or something.
6: I, yeah, I'd be, look, uh, i be – look, I don't I – think I, I think I signed away my rights to that when we did it. So uh. whoever owns the rights to it, there may be someone. I'm sure it's in some library somewhere. Yeah. Look, it's not Craig and me that's of any value. It's Mark Frost. He right. spoke yeah. with us for – a full hour, and we asked him a lot of questions. It was a real probing interview about Twin Peaks. You know, someone out there can find that, and I don't care. You know, put it out on a podcast or, you know, put it up on <laughs> YouTube. YouTube on yeah. YouTube, I mean, just his side of the conversation, you know, uh, could go up on YouTube. and do yeah, Some good yeah. stuff that never saw the light of day, so –
5: and you mentioned you're working on Blue Rose Magazine. How is that coming? Are you working on the second half of the guide? Ooh. Uh,
6: <laughs> yes. I, <got> it started. <laughs> <laughs> I need to. Oh, well, you know what? No. The answer is yes, because I've been sitting down and 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 brainstorming and researching to write something of substance and value to people who are going to spend their money on this magazine. You know, really contemplating what happened in seventeen and eighteen, and I want to write whatever I write will only be speculation and questions more than Mm any anything. But I don't want to just say, oh, you know, she screamed and that's the end. I want to at least, you know something. And so I've been looking at some of the Hindu texts that Lynch has referenced uh, in other places and trying to make a few. I did find something interesting. I, I'll, I'll share it with you real quick. When uh, in, in part two, uh, Cooper's going down the hallway in the red room and the doppelganger of the arm kind of confronts him. Yes. Mm-hmm. And says a non-existent and do you remember remember that? It's I It's non-existent. Do. Okay. Yeah. And so I, f- until very recently, thought, okay, he's trying to erase Cooper or he's huh. trying to make him – he's trying to banish him. Well, I, in my studies of the uh, some of the Hindu creation myths, I found out that the world, uh, according to those sages, is um, divided into two, two realms. One is the existence which is where we live in this earth and the sky and the non-existent, which huh. is where the demons live, Ooh. the underworld. Wow. And so I think what he was doing was he was banishing Cooper to the non-existent. He was opening the floor so that Cooper would fall into that nether realm. It's a tiny, tiny little bit of something now what happened after i don't know did he get rerouted to the glass box and saved i kind of think he might have so you know i found that little tidbit of information in in this little bit of research i'm not sure how much more i'll i'll find but there's a lot of interesting stuff in that Hindu mythology, there's, you know, these these Vedas or poems where they talk about all kinds of interests. They talk about horses, and they talk about demons, and they talk about creatures taking the form of birds. I'm really not schooled in it. If somebody's listening who knows all this, they're probably rolling their eyes. I, I'm trying to understand it a little better so that I at least have that little bit of background when I look at the new Twin Peaks, because I think some of that Hindu Writing influenced the way Lynch was at least depicting, if not actually plotting, the the story. Cooper drops and he's going to go to the last box, but there's this right.
5: whole like scattered lines or like scattered yes. thing, and you see that same kind of guy image thing in the uh, part eight with the whole uh, atomic bomb. You have this kind of yeah. I wonder, is like, huh? That's interesting that you have that with Cooper going to
6: you know going mm. into the real world. Lynch is somehow trying to. Convey this movement between worlds, you know that there's there's some transferal of yeah. your soul or your yeah, physical right. body yeah. from one existence to another, and yeah, he kind of made it that ambiguous, starry feel, but it yeah. it is it is all blurry and stretched. Maybe so. that
5: is it. Maybe that is it. Because I mean, it does seem like the atomic bomb was a portal. At least it opened up a portal for evil for Bob to get yeah. evil to get out. Sabrina Sutherland, executive producer of Twin Peaks.
10: Uh, Well, I've met John. I really admire what he's done and he certainly kept the fan base going and coming up with some real intelligent things to write and I admire what he did with that, and that's a great magazine. Congratulations to John. Well, this has been exciting. And yes. This been, <laughs> I,
5: I, I love looking at Wrapped Plastic, the work. 75 issues you guys did over 15 years. That's I mean, pretty amazing. it is a quite an incredible accomplishment. It's a great part of history. I know it's really okay. hard to get these magazines now, so at least you can get the essential wrapped in plastic book by John well worth it yeah. yeah
6: thanks guys thanks for letting me have a little time to talk about wrapped in plastic I know it's something from the past but I thought this is the only time I'll really celebrate it so why not why I'll, not I'll yeah. let people know so, yeah, and yeah this
5: and really there's a lot of great history and if you know you want to understand twin Peaks more I mean these magazines really helped do that I was going through
6: old files and you'd find a little news item from something from like 1996 and hmm. and it'd be it, it was Interesting. It was interesting to see what the actors were doing, or you'd hear these rumors that Lynch was involved in maybe making a video game, and yeah. and, and 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 I think there was some truth to it. Didn't happen, but or something was going to get released on Laserdisc yeah. <laughs> back then. And uh, and uh, while it doesn't really mean anything now, you, you could kind of see the interest at that time in trying to, uh, you know pursue maybe something new from lynch or from some of the actors we we mentioned a lot of stuff that just never came to pass and nobody ever talks about it now but there were a few interesting things that looked like they might happen and they didn't and we talked about them then yeah and when we talked about them we thought they were going to happen so we were mm-hmm. excited i'm thinking in particular of this one game was going to be called woodcutters from fiery ships i don't know if anyone i've never heard of this (laughs) i know yeah no lynch was apparently involved and they were going to make this thing and there was supposed to be some twin peaks connection Wow. so it never happened isn't that crazy but but we we covered it in the magazine that's pretty cool I love it. I
5: love it. I mean, I love that you guys dove so deep into everything, and we have this forever to yeah. go back to. And, and just your essays, too, John. I loved your essays, both the Laura Palmer one and, of course, the dream the theory one. Uh, yeah, it's, it's incredible. I mean, that is a staple of you know history right there. I mean, yep. that really is something to look back on and be proud of the work you've done. So
6: thank you, John. Oh, well, thanks. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you, John Thorne, and thank you to all – the people who called in and left such amazing and heartfelt and sweet messages. Yeah, it's so cool to hear from everybody. It's. I hope John enjoys this episode. It's kind of like a surprise for him too.
5: Yeah, I. We were talking. Let me. Last time we we had him on the show, and afterwards he was saying, "Hey, you know, the 25th anniversary of Wrapped in Plastic is coming up. The magazine there. And it's like, oh yeah. And we were talking. It's like <laughs> we got to have a show and stuff. But it was really John who 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 reminded me about that. And it's so cool that we were able to do a show on it.
0: it's so special and I'm so happy. This is something that means a lot to you, Ben. I mean, like before we started the podcast, you were talking about Wrapped in Plastic. Yeah. And it was kind of like, sort of like the impetus of uh, getting us, this podcast going. Definitely.
5: I get so inspired to do Twin Peaks work like this podcast because of Wrapped in Plastic because they were there when there was nothing else. So I'm so, I was so inspired. It, It does make me want to do this show to see the work that Craig and John did. And you know, I he is kind of a legend, really nice guy, that John, yep. but he is so intelligent. He has these great creative ideas. Even getting to talk to him early
0: on, it was like, wow, I'm talking to John Thorne. I remember <laughs> when we first interviewed him, before meeting him in person, yes. I remember having him on the show. This is in the early, like, the first 20 episodes, John was in there, and uh, we talked about his book, and I remember after we we stopped recording, you were just like... So happy and excited. I think we must have talked to John like almost another hour after we stopped recording. Yeah. We talked to him like almost the whole night.
5: It was crazy. And, and to me, it was like, he was like a celebrity. Like He was almost, to me, as, as as incredible as the actors and producers and directors and everybody else who made Twin Peaks. He was... Because he was just so part of Twin Peaks history. Yeah. That like He was yeah. so special. And so we actually got to meet John in person when we went to the uh, Great Southern stay, Fest.
0: Stayed in the same hotel.
5: Yep. And so we got to hang out. We did an interview. We talked about Firewalk with me. We did an interview with him on that. I think John could definitely tell how excited I was to talk <laughs> yes. with Yes. And I think at one point he says, Ben, you know... No, I'm just a man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I know he's just a man, but John is just an incredible guy. I mean, I think we've become friends with him. Yes. And I just want to hang out with him and talk with him. And we got to Yeah, we got to hang out with him a little bit at the fest. And
0: yeah, I mean, meeting for the first time at the Great Southern, we spent the whole day. We hung out with him, we talked, and then we get back to the hotel, and John's like, Yeah, I'll come by and you can interview me at in the hotel. But in between that I'm like, oh, my God, John Thorne was in the car, and I was driving. <laughs> I was kind of nervous, like, I'm driving around John Thorne. Don't kill him. You don't get an action. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, it was, like, we were both kind of on cloud nine. Yeah, It was very exciting for us, and uh, it was so cool because getting to meet him and hanging out with John like, pretty much the entire weekend and, and then meeting the others as well, you know, and it was just really cool, right? Yeah, and he's become friend of the podcast, and we can always count on him. If you, he, hey John, want to come on the show, and he's right, very gracious with his time.
5: I always think he makes the show better. I mean, yeah. like, I mean, and I think if you ever saw our numbers for this podcast, you would see when it comes to trending, what is trending? It's John Thorne shows. that, yeah. mean, that part eight that we had. I mean, he just has a lot of great things to say, and I think people are interested in what John says.
0: You read his book if you haven't read it already. The essential wrapped in plastic. Yeah, it's so good. I read that, and now you get to read more of his stuff with his blog, and now with the Blue Rose magazine. And if you can get your hands wrapped in plastic, I say go for it. Definitely. So pretty cool. Ben's got the whole collection, so you can always uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm not eat. I'm not letting you I'm not <laughs> bar, nobody can borrow my issues. You know, maybe be Brian. Like a, maybe yeah. Brian can borrow. I've borrowed a couple. Um yeah. it could be like a library, you put a library card yeah. in the back right. and you can send it it's out. It's overdue. Overdue. He <laughs> really
5: should go down in history as as a big part of Twin Peaks.
0: Yeah, keeping the mystery going. You can email us at twin at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Twin Peaks Please like us on Facebook. We're keeping the Facebook love going. It's going great. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. We're on iTunes. Give us that four-star review. Leave us a comment. It makes this podcast flourish and keeps us in the zeitgeist of Twin Peaks podcasts. And that's our show.
5: Well, not quite. Hi, it's
1: Mark Frost calling. I wanted to leave a quick message about John Thorne and his great work with Wrapped in Plastic over the years. I've said many times that John became really the, the keeper of the flame in keeping the the dream of twin peaks alive and we were so happy to get back together with john at the same time the the show was coming back on the air and thanks again for your continued support best to all and again best to john and his dedication to the show probably couldn't have done it without him
4: I see you in the truth the tree.